0: like sands in the hourglass. So are the days of Simmons versus Sixers and this soap opera's plot thickens by the day. And this saga promises to get worse before it gets better. We're just days away from media day and training camp, both of which Simmons is expected to miss. Uh, And in case you missed it, uh, Doc Rivers uh, went on some TV show this morning and he said some stuff uh, which we will read to you. Uh, I preface this by saying we don't believe you. You need more people. But here's what he said. It was a good conversation that he gave us reasons which we obviously didn't agree with. Uh, in sports, there have been so many times this has happened that it hasn't been reported and the guy comes back. Listen, we're going to go through it. Doc went on to say, we're going to always going to do what's best for the team, but I can tell you up front, we would love to get Ben back, and if we can, we are going to try to do that. Ben has a long contract, so it's in our hands, and we want him back. Doc said some more stuff, such as, I want to correct that, and this is the part about Doc saying that he doesn't, know the answer to the question of whether or not Ben Simmons could be the point guard on a championship team. That was after that game seven loss to Atlanta in round two. He said, I want to correct that because I would love you guys to play what I said. I never said what was reported. We actually heard it. Wasn't reported. We heard you say it. Uh, it was the first question after we just yeah. lost the game seven. My answer was, quote, I'm not answering any of that stuff right now. I don't even know how to answer that. That wasn't what you said, but okay. Uh, that had nothing to do about Ben. I was basically saying what disappointed me, it was being portrayed that I was out there saying, I don't even think we can win with Ben, and I do. I tell Ben that the next day. What really disappointed me was that the next day I went on and said, guys, I don't know exactly what I was talking about, and no one heard yeah. it. They just kept running with their narratives. The media, uh, the media. So, yeah. I've been in sports a long time, been in sports a long time, and I'm not misrepresented very often, but in that case, I was, but it is what it is. Ben knows, Rich as in Rich Paul knows, and I know. And a little bit more from Doc this morning. Talked about what Ben needs to, uh, to improve upon. He says, it's about free throws, and we absolutely have to improve on that. We don't even need him to be at 70%. We hired a free throw coach, a shooting coach. We want to get him in the gym. We want to work him to get him better Because I believe that one thing frees him up. That one thing frees him up. People talk about that game seven, and I'm not sure what the actual stat is, but I want to say Trey Young was five for 24. Uh, Side note and uh, narrator's note, emphasis on the 24. Uh, Who did that? Ben Simmons did that. We forget a lot of things that he does, but I don't because I'm a coach, and I know the value that he has for this team. Yes, we got to get him better at the free throw line because if he does that, that kind of frees up all kinds of other things for him. The one thing we did do last year was we gave him the ball. We put the ball in Ben Simmons hands. He led our team to the best team in the East in the regular season. One game away from the Eastern finals. We can win the title with Ben. I just believe that. Here's Doc in his own words. Well, that's his own words, but here's Doc in his own voice a little while ago with Rich Eisen.
1: Rich, you've been around sports long enough. Yes. Well, guys, I'm never coming back. I don't want to come back. And then the next thing you know, they're back. Um, and so, you know, we don't take it lightly. Uh, we do understand um, the frustrations. We understand, uh, and you understand this, when you're in sports and uh, you have your dream of winning something and it doesn't happen for you, uh, the mental toll that that takes on you and each individual. And so this has happened more than, than we know. Than you know, I would say, Um, but yeah, so we don't take it lightly, but we intend to get Ben back, and and we wanted to to have him back. One of the things I kept reminding Ben of, and I remind fans of, is that Trey Young was five for twenty-four in Game Seven. Uh, He wasn't five for twenty-four because no one was guarding him. He was five for twenty-four because Ben guarded. You know, and Ben has a value, Rich, um, to the team. That is not as obvious as being a great scorer. You know, it's so easy to look at a guy, he had 30 points, and you can equate that value to the team. It's very difficult to see the value that Ben Wallace has or Dennis Rodman has or Charles Oakley has or Ben Simmons has on the team because he's, he doesn't score uh, as natural as some of the great guys, but he does so many other things for our team.
2: So where does everything stand right now? What's your game plan here, if it is in fact true as part of the Woj bomb, that, you, that, that there's been no communication since since he told you his intention to stay away from training camp?
1: What's well, there's in? been no communication over the last couple of weeks. Um, but we, we still talked to his agent. Um, uh, several players still talk to, uh, to Ben. Um, You know, I always look at, you know, you you use Aaron Rodgers as an example. I I remember the the Spurs trading Sean Elliott uh, and the physical failed. He said, I'll never play again there. Uh, He comes back and they win the title together. (laughs) So, as you know and I know, things can change. But we just got to keep communicating and and getting through to them and maybe we can change. And then the other part of it is Ben does have a four-year deal. So, this is all really in the team's hands on what we want to do. And we're just going to do what we feel is right for the team. And I think that's the most important part.
2: And that is to keep Ben Simmons right now.
1: Yes. Okay. Right now.
0: Are we done? I, I, like. No, no, unfortunately Are we we're just done? getting started. I... We're just getting started. This ain't, this ain't resolving itself anytime soon, brother. Mike, you see this?
3: It's a newspaper. It's 90% BS, but it entertains me, <laughs> okay? So you won't let me read it. Now you entertain me with your BS. And, uh, Doc Rivers, stop. Go. Stop. 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 <laughs> yeah, right, go. Oh, oh a traffic stop. <laughs> uh, the most entertaining story you have for me is that you didn't say that? Really, Doc Rivers, stop it. Stop. If you're gonna be in this media game, you go start your own podcast. The great thing about a podcast is that somewhere somewhere uh, There's a producer who pushes record and it's somewhere in the cloud. Okay, it's, it's always out there So we saw it. We heard it the zoom interview What he said about Ben Simmons. So there's really no way to dance around that. This is not a media problem. And Ben Simmons knows that this is not a uh, uh, You know following game seven. I Said what I said. No, you got a real issue. The issue is and it's very simple Philadelphia even predating Doc Rivers Mike Philadelphia created a monster They created this monster uh, it, it's, it was a two-headed monster one the, the monster of Ben Simmons but the other part of that Ben Simmons monster was the Y'all don't know what you're talking about, monster. The you never played the game, monster. The if you've been between the lines, if you've been in the locker room, you'd understand the value of Ben Simmons. So they got all this stuff going, they got their finger wagging going to anybody who would criticize, rightfully criticize, Ben Simmons and his inability or resistance, his reluctance to take three point shots. I don't know if it's if it's a head trip. uh, He's just a crisis of confidence. I don't know what it is, but Ben Simmons in the modern game doesn't play a modern game. A point guard doesn't play the modern game. And this has been obvious. Michael Smith. This has been obvious. Ben Simmons his entire career has had this flaw in his game. When people have pointed it out to previous coaches, whether it's Brett Brown or now Doc Rivers, the previous general managers They've been told, no, no, no. There are other things going on with Ben Simmons that you don't understand. And then the Sixers told that to Ben Simmons. And Then they told the truth. After game seven, he got mad because he's never been held accountable. He has been enabled by his organization his entire career. And when they finally told the truth at the wrong time, he got mad. Now, look. Shame on him for not developing his game. Shame on them for enabling him. But but beyond that, don't sit here and insult us with this. That's not what I said. No, that is what you said. And you could have come back. Mike Doc Rivers could have come back at any time and said, hey, this has gotten out of hand. Well,
0: there's the point he could have said there's the point he
3: could have said it during NBA. He could have said it during the NBA finals. He could have said that, that by the way,
0: wait, That's it. He, that's it. What I'm saying, anything
3: that, yeah, he could have said it. Now he's saying it now because he's bargaining. Stop. Just stop. You know what we call that? The
0: whole thing is just, you know, we call that? We call that. We call that a day late and a dollar short. Okay. Um, that's the point right there. Like it's fitting that doc is doing a media tour to promote a podcast that he's narrating called it was said sports um because you said what you said as they say i said said what what i said said, and we were there when you said it and And you had ample opportunity to do this same media tour at any point if you were really invested in repairing the relationship with ben simmons see my problem with this entire situation because somebody asked me yesterday it was like michael i'm i'm you know you confused me a little bit yesterday like you seem to be you know Pro Ben Simmons yesterday like whose side are you on here it's like no I've been consistent I'm on the side of logic I'm on the side of solutions okay and I wanted Ben Simmons out of Philly before game seven okay and I knew I wasn't alone that meltdown wasn't just game seven that was that entire series for the most part that was the playoffs for the most part um with with a few exceptions here and there but My thing is the Sixers they want it both ways. Or uh, if I could channel my inner Marlowe, they want it to be one way, but it's the other way. And don't spend the entire offseason. Letting it be the worst kept secret in the NBA that you're shopping Ben Simmons. that your head coach said. For everybody to hear that he didn't know the answer to the question. The very simple question of whether or not Ben Simmons could be the point guard of a championship team direct question. Don't let that linger and then when you don't get the offer that you think you should get for the player that you don't really want anymore that you don't want to pay the remaining years of this contract. Yeah, he got a contract and y'all would rather not pay it y'all would rather not have, have to honor that overpaid contract. So don't do that and then come back later and be like, oh, actually, you know what? It's all good. Let's just move forward. No, it don't work like that. You can't have it both ways. You can't attach some astronomically high price to an all-star that you don't want. Well, if you, if, if you want so much for him, why don't you want him? If he's so good, right? And, he, and, and you should get so much in return. Well, Why don't you just keep him then? You know, I saw some people saying, oh, Ben Simmons hasn't earned the right to, to, to demand anything. Who who does he think he is? Well, if he ate all that, why are the Sixers smart for holding out for a deal that's commissary with a 25 year old all-star all defensive caliber player, right? You know, if if Daryl Morey should be so concerned about taking advantage of this championship window and Joel Embiid's prime, then why should Daryl Morey cut off his nose to spite his face by holding out uh, for a trade. The perfect trade for Ben Simmons. Meanwhile, Ben Simmons holds out and now you don't have Simmons and you don't have anything to show for it. So I, I said a long time ago, Ben Simmons is responsible for the flaws in his game. And I had right, that's zero right. problem. That's right? Where you and I parted company. I had zero problem with Doc Rivers or Joel Embiid or anybody throwing him under the proverbial bus because he held them back. He held them back. He's held them back long enough. And look, I get that he's an elite company when it comes to his stats. I get that he's an elite company. Just for people that can't see this, last four seasons he has 15.9 points, 8.1 rebounds, and 7.7 assists. Only other players to do that over the last four years, Russ, Jokic, LeBron, and Luka. All right? But Tim Reynolds also points out those guys have made 1,766 threes in that span. Simmons has made five doc limited to the free throw line. It ain't just the free throw line. It's the three point line or in the the case of game seven. It's layups. Okay, it's dunks. So it's just shooting in general. So yes, Ben Simmons is responsible for those flaws and there is something to be said for Ben Simmons saying, you know what I'm gonna come back better than ever and I'm gonna show y'all and we gonna get this done. We're gonna finish what we started. If that's not how he's wired, that's fine okay but i've continued to say and this is where i say i'm not on anybody's side i'm on the side of solutions i've continued to say yeah. that this falls at the feet of Daryl Morey because you want to win the trade when you know you can't win a championship with this player and you expect everybody else to solve your problem for you to your liking michael you laughed at me when that when the report was that it was Malcolm Brogdon in the first round pick and i was like damn they should have jumped at that cuz you're not going to get what you think you should get for Ben Simmons under these circumstances you're not. And if I'm Ben Simmons, hell no, I ain't showing up. And, and, and I don't believe you. You need more people, Doc Rivers. Don't go all right. over TV and radio today talking about how much you want me back. Because the minute, the minute Daryl Morey suspects that Damian Lillard is tired of, 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 of just, you know, content or not contending, excuse me, in Portland, or Bradley Beal has a change of heart in D.C., you on the phone trying to get him up out of there. Maury knows it. Simmons yeah. knows it. Rich Paul knows it. They all know it. So if you're Ben Simmons, there is no way in hell you should show up to camp. No, not doing anything to, to make this situation comfortable If anything. Maybe you show up to make it more uncomfortable, but I don't know how that helps him. I don't know how it helps him to show up and throw the basketball at somebody's head. He ain't built like that anyway. That's not that's not that's not it. That's not how he rolls anyway. I don't know. He's not, he's not Jimmy Butler. He ain't going to show up and say, give me all the backups and we go to win. He not, he, he's not, he's not, he's not going to make a, a mockery of the situation. That's not, that's not right. how we do it. Right. Let Rich Paul do his thing. You sit home, collect your checks, write the checks as the case may be. And let the Sixers figure this thing out. Because once again, I'll say it for the umpteen time, they made this bed. They have to sleep in it. So Doc Rivers, nice try. But next time you want to be slick, be slicker than a six-year-old.
3: <laughs> hey, look, look, man. Ben Simmons may not have as many options as Blanche Devereaux, but he's got options. He's got options. He can do some things. By the way, one of my favorite shows. One of my favorite shows as a kid. I love the Golden Girls. Oh. I love the Golden Girls. That is just, that is just elite. Television, right? That is great timing. Michael
0: timing. Let me take this opportunity yeah. to say thank you for being a friend.
3: Oh, yeah, and one of the great theme songs, one of the great theme songs in TV history. Now he does have options though, Ben Simmons, and it will be interesting to see which of those options he chooses. Now, I think the nuclear option for Ben Simmons is the one he's choosing right now. And if he decides to stick with it, I think uh, maybe he'll be the first NBA player. I can think of to do something like this. The only now you correct me. I know you were a student a very careful student of NFL history. Oh Darrell Rivas uncle. Sean Gilbert Sean Gilbert. Yeah. Did he do something like this? Now, I think he sat out.
0: Oh, yeah, an entire season. Or, or, or more, or, now, or more recently, Le'Veon Bell did but that was that was more about money. You know, that wasn't just I don't want to be here hard, right, but, but I get it did it last year, but work for most James of the time.
3: Harden. But most of the time. Fans say and we say you're not going to walk away from all that money. You are just not going to sit out mm-hmm. and, and, and just and just let that money just go out the window and Le'Veon Bell great example. Le'Veon Bell did it. Um, Sean Gilbert did it NFL a little different though. Uh, I think it was a pre-cap or early cap era guaranteed contracts. You know, it's always funky with the NFL. Mm -hmm. But if if Ben Simmons does this, I believe he'll be the first pro basketball player with millions and millions of dollars on the table to say, nope, I don't need it. So that's a nuclear option for Ben Simmons. And if he sticks with it, wow, that just tells you how deep he's dug in. The other option is this. Uh, He's going to have to, Push Rich Paul, because this is how it works. And Rich Paul's going to have to humble himself. Ben Simmons is going to have to humble himself. They may have to wind up in a situation that is not ideal for them. Now, I know how Rich Paul rolls. and He likes to have his clients in certain places, and it makes sense. It's a very uh, elaborate chess game for him. Well, maybe you don't play chess right now. Maybe you just play Connect Four. Just a very basic, good old, wholesome board game. Ben Simmons doesn't want to be in Philadelphia. You're going to have to... Uh, put them somewhere else. Maybe it's Minnesota. Maybe it's Sacramento. Not one of these desired NBA stops and you just got to get them away from Philly. So th- there are options there, but I think Philadelphia, I thought I said yesterday, Philadelphia holds the cards. Yeah, Philadelphia holds the cards, but these are cards nobody wants to hold. It's just ugly. You can't, you can't set the tone for your season. You're trying to be a contender. You're trying to point. build on something. This you don't want
0: untenable. this. is untenable. And for de- like, yeah, you like don't want a... It like why would like let him be great somewhere else. It's like why would you want to force somebody who doesn't want to be there. That's my favorite quote that you don't really want there in the first place. See again going back to Doc Rivers. Going back to Doc Rivers and the fact that he's got a podcast called it was said sports. Don't believe what they say. Pay attention to what they do like they've shown you better than They could tell you like our mama's used to tell us I'm gonna show you better than I could tell you. Okay, like the Sixers have shown Ben Simmons better than they could tell him they have shown him how they feel about him or don't feel about him, and rightfully so rightfully so he's a fatally flawed player. He does a lot of things. Well, we know that Doc he's a fatally flawed player. They need to move on. He needs to move on. Dragging this on does nobody any favors. If there's a trade to be made, a reasonable trade, Daryl Morey needs to make it like yesterday. Do not subject the rest of your franchise to come into media day and dealing with this.
4: Andy is... uh... Is still battling through his, his injury, uh, like I said to you the other day, we're, we're glad that it's not his ACL. Uh, we, we're not expecting him to practice today um, or to have him available uh, this week, so he'll he'll be week to week. Um, Justin's going to be our starter, and his prep starts. Uh, you know, it's basically starts right now and get out there and have a good week of practice and see where that goes. But I know he's looking forward to it, and uh, and he's been great. He's been extremely supportive and. Uh, this is a part of the business, and and so now uh, it's a it's a great opportunity for Justin and and uh, for all of us as as a staff to be able to uh, take this thing and, and see where he goes with this. If the
5: team is winning and Justin's playing well, are you obligated? Do you feel as a coach obligated to go back to Andy?
4: When when Andy is is healthy, he's our starter, and then I, I go back to for Justin. Justin's worried about right now, and Justin's worried about trying to help us beat Cleveland. Uh, I've talked about it this entire time that we're not going to get into that what if game we do want to see who's you know like when Justin's out here uh, and what he's been doing in practice as a look team trying to be the best quarterback he can be that's all we want right now that's all Andy and Justin want is to be the best they can be and then um, when that time comes I and mean, there's just there's a lot of stuff that can happen between now and then so it's, I don't really want to go there other than just saying that when Andy is healthy he'll, he's our starter
0: And here's the good thing about uh, the good and bad thing about life. It's just life in general. Things change. Um, But what has not changed is my opinion. Ever since Justin Fields got drafted and uh, the Bears declared him the starter in all training camp. You and I like many others went back and forth Michael about whether or not the Bears should, quote unquote waste time with Andy Dalton. This is why I kept saying it, it doesn't matter. It never matters if Justin Fields started against the Rams to start the season. Because sooner or later, emphasis on sooner, he was gonna be the quarterback, one way or another. Either because Andy Dalton faltered, yeah. because Justin Fields closed whatever gap Matt Nagy thought was there, or because Andy Dalton unfortunately mm-hmm. got hurt. But I but I, I always said sooner or later he's gonna be the quarterback, so why does it matter whether it's week one? So here he is now. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Andy Dalton ain't getting that job mm-hmm. back, regardless of what Matt right. says. It's over. He can it's sit over. here right, right now and yep. say the right thing, which is, yep. hey, when Andy's healthy, yep. he's our starter. Because hey, you want to do right by the veteran guy you signed. And nobody wants the the rule you can't lose your job to injury. We know that's not true. We'll talk about that more tomorrow on the twentieth anniversary of an injury that literally altered the course of sports history. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But you can lose your job to injury. Of course you can lose your job to injury. Okay? But nobody wants to say Hey, we would, he's not going to come out and say, Hey, you know what? We were just waiting for the right opportunity. And unfortunately for Andy, this was it. Them be the breaks, you know, I mean, now we have an opportunity to do what we wanted to do in the first place, which is play Justin Fields. And now we can, you know, roll with these punches, but not only because I think Justin Fields is going to ball out, but I just don't believe that you can go back. Like you can, you can hold a quarterback back, but I don't think you can go back. As in, they could have played Andy Dalton for another couple of games as a starter and kept working Justin Fields in. But once Justin Fields is the guy, it's illogical to stunt his development by giving it back to Andy Dalton under any circumstances other than Justin Fields is, okay, sorry, Sam Donald, seeing ghosts. Or Justin Fields is at risk of really doing long term damage to his potential by leaving him out there. He needs to be taken back. And it's happened before. Certain quarterbacks have started and they pull back, get another view from the sideline, and then insert them later. But unless Justin Fields completely falls on his face, I don't see the logic in going back to Andy Dalton at this point. And that's without having seen Justin Fields perform. The last thing I'll say, Michael, I think it's the dawn of a new day in Chicago. It is the dawn of a new day. This is what they've been waiting for. He is now going to make his first start coincidentally, fittingly, poetic poetically, whatever you want to call it at Cleveland in Ohio. We know where he made his name as a college quarterback. Not to That's mention right, right down right. the street from a place. He hopes to end up five years after he retires. Bears been looking for a quarterback right. for a long time. They've yet to have a 4,000 yard passer. I don't know if he does it this year, but I'm gonna go on the limb and say they get one with this kid. And this is it. This is the dawn of a new era. Oh, happy day. Chicago believes it's had, it has its new quarterback. And now there's nothing standing in between him. And this will be remembered as the first start of a long and fruitful career as the Chicago Bears starting quarterback, which very few people have been able to say, but Justin Fields is here to end that endless cycle in Chicago.
3: I hope Mike, you're right. I, I like the way you say it. It's the dawn of a new day. Not only is it a dawn of a new day in Chicago land. I want to say the rest of the land, the rest of the NFL. I hope so. I hope we can get to the point where it's just not paint by numbers that we all, uh, by we, I mean, NFL general managers and head coaches go into this default mode that you have a young quarterback that you traded up for in the draft to get, you have a young quarterback. You must then pair that young quarterback with a veteran quarterback. And sometimes that veteran quarterback has to play because you know, this is just too much for that young quarterback to take and and you know, maybe that guy can mentor the young man and then then eventually the young man will get a chance but stop stop. There are five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Justin Fields was number four of five drafted the Bears made an aggressive and uh, intelligent move to go up in the draft to get Justin Fields who may have been the second best quarterback in the draft anyway, but the fourth quarterback taken so they go they do this. And they have Andy Dalton I mean, that's coming and in. Justin
0: Fields. Look, that's, that's, that's coming right. in. He's got a chance to be the best one. He's still got a chance to, before, he could Andy. be the best one. I mean, look, it's early. Exactly. <laughs> it's early. Right. But the guys taken before and him exactly. ain't exactly like the world on fire right now.
3: <laughs> they got Andy Dalton and Justin Fields on the roster. And if you really just think about it, um, outside of Chicago, because once again, I, I'm, not, I'm not really invested in this. I don't have any money on it. Uh, not members of the family so I'm just, just calling it the way I see it and that is Andy Andy Dalton probably gives you a chance to go eight and nine at his best eight and nine maybe seven and ten that's the same thing you're gonna get with Justin Fields. There's some things Andy Dalton does better than Fields based on his experience, based on his skill set, but ultimately uh, if you got it right Fields has a much higher ceiling Fields is gonna be the better quarterbacks. Just throw them out there Let them develop because that's how quarterbacks get better. I just don't understand Like why? why Andy Dalton was there in the first place you say it doesn't matter. Okay, maybe you're right Mike But why was he there? You said Different context talking about Ben Simmons. You said you're on the side of logic me too. So on the side of logic Why you got Andy Dalton there? It's not like you had to have him like San Francisco had to have Jimmy Garoppolo because he's got a big contract. But I mean, so like, that makes listen, sense.
0: Maybe, maybe I've just been around the game Come too on. much and I've let, I've let coaches, yeah. coaches logic or coach speak or coach think, whatever yes. you want to call it, infect my yes. thinking. But let's just go back to just a this couple of them right. off the top of my head. You could ask yourself and this guy, I, I feel for him because he could not catch a break. Uh, and we're seeing it again um, in, in Houston. Tyrod Taylor, but. Yeah, Terod Taylor in Cleveland was the starter. I believe it was against the Jets he got hurt. And then Baker Mayfield came in It was like, why were they wasting time with Terod Taylor? Terod Taylor last year, unfortunately, got his lung punctured, if if I recall correctly, by a team doctor. And gave way to the eventual offensive rookie of the year. Why were the Chargers wasting time with Terod Taylor? Uh, Many moons ago, Bill O'Brien started off with Tom Savage, only for Deshaun Watson to come in and set records for a rookie quarterback before he got hurt. So I don't know the answer. I guess these coaches just believe that these kids aren't ready yet, no matter how much players are coming into the league more and more prepared to play right away. Maybe they're afraid yeah. of rushing them out there, or maybe they're maybe it's the safe play to go with the veteran that knows the playbook better. I don't know, but there, you're right. There is no question that Justin Fields is the more dynamic performer. I believe that after this game against a talented Cleveland defense. I believe that if not after this game very soon, you'll be saying I told you so because it will be obvious how much more dynamic their offense is with Justin Fields and many people will be saying why were you wasting time with Andy Dalton in the first place? So I, I hear where you're coming from. And I always understood. I never disagree with that. I don't think there's a necessarily a wrong way to develop quarterbacks. Because like, you could look back and say, well, why were the Kansas City Chiefs wasting time with Alex Smith when that guy was sitting there? But it worked right. out. So who's to say that Patrick Mahomes would have been Patrick Mahomes immediately. He probably would have. Who knows what he would have done. Who's to say here one who knows how much who's better he'd he would have been wouldn't. in year two. If he'd have had with year one, but it worked out Man. it worked out. So if there's no right, there's right his first right game? And wrong way to love. Some,
3: huh? Remember his first game as a rookie member. Remember that game? His first Patrick Mahomes his first game. Oh, you could tell here at the end of the year. Yeah,
0: you could tell you knew right then and there, Ooh. you knew right then and there. Yeah, but what I was about to say, Keith Sweat. Was that there's a right and a wrong way to love somebody. But there is no wrong way to raise a quarterback. And why do they do it this way? It's just the kind of the way it's been done. But my point was always eventually we were gonna arrive here. We won't get to the point. And what's really exciting, Mike, most exciting, is just this 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 transition period that we're in uh, in the NFC North. Because Rogers seems like he's on his way out. Meanwhile, the Vikings still holding down the fort with Kirk cousins, but they don't have a long-term answer at quarterback. The lions, as much as they want to talk of Jared Goff, don't have a long-term answer at quarterback. So this not only starts the process of Justin Fields getting better and going into the job, but like I said, it's the dawn of a new day, a new era and potentially eventually maybe even a changing of the guard where the Bears could have the most envious quarterback position uh, in the division after watching uh, Green Bay in particular, have such stability at quarterback all these years?
3: Yeah, I'd love to see it, and uh, I- I'm excited for him. I have no idea what's going to happen in this game, and neither do the Cleveland Browns uh, because it's not enough enough on Justin Fields to know definitively what you can do to rattle him. I'm, I'm sure you can go back to his college tape. There's some things you could uh, you could try to take advantage of that he did at Ohio State, but I'm not sure that's really going to help you in the NFL. He may have corrected that hole in the swing, if I can mix sports uh, metaphors here for a second. So uh, that, that game right there, I'm going to tell you, on a Wednesday, Wednesday, September 22nd, that's the game I'm most looking forward to this weekend. Cleveland and Chicago, just because you got Justin Fields, at quarterback, and both teams uh, desperately, not desperate, that's too, that's too much, but... Both teams are in that position where, okay, you need a win to kind of, to kind of keep pace. For the Browns, they got championship aspirations. This is a game they probably feel like they should win. And Justin Fields, yeah, everybody's going to be watching to see money. what he does a quarterback.
0: Yeah, this this whole season Who is, for the Bears. Oh, the Bears? Yeah.
3: And you know, yeah, and here's the, the other the thing, right? This uh, whole season quick. for the
0: Bears is just about developing Justin Fields. This this has this is not about well, playoffs. It's ain't about now. It is about developing Justin Fields. Now it is, it may have
3: it, you know, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace might have bought themselves one more year, bought themselves one more year by putting Justin Fields in there. Because if you insist on playing Andy Dalton and you go 7 and 10 and the fans are saying, why didn't you put in Justin Fields and you keep coming up with bad answers, maybe ownership says, no, you know, get out of here. You know, if you're not going to develop them, when we trade up to get them, we're going to give somebody else.
0: Yeah, an opportunity. I, I don't know that that conventional wisdom necessarily yeah. works. That that that's that coach speak we're talking about. I know there are some coaches and GMs who think like that in terms of self preservation. I don't know. Oh, I didn't it, say they unless, did it on purpose. Well, okay, I'm about to say because Justin Fields, unless if, if Justin Fields balls out, then maybe they got another year. But either way, the organization may decide to go a different direction. I, I, you've seen that before. You might you could draft the quarterback, but you'll be drafting and developing for the next regime.
6: So we'll see.
3: All right, uh, there's Carson Wentz uh, without his boot talking about not one, but two sprained ankles. I mean, I, I, it's this is rare. I just can't remember a guy when you say which ankle and the answer is both. But the Colts are really dealing with this situation. His first year, Carson Wentz, his first year in Indianapolis and already two games in, the team is challenged at the quarterback spot. Now, what do we make of this? We can find out. I tell you, you can tell us everything we need to know. Steven Holder of the athletic senior writer of the athletic uh, representing Miami and Indianapolis <laughs> all at once. So I like that. Hey, Steven, I, I got to tell you, man. First of all, welcome to the show. Good to see you and glad to have you on here. Dropping some knowledge. But I it's tell good you, man, to be here with your brothers, I by the way. Back, thank you. I I went back. I looked at Carson Wentz's 2017 season and I felt like I was going back 40 or 50 years of NFL history. (laughs) Whatever happened to the guy 33 touchdown passes 7 interceptions MVP candidate got hurt before the playoffs. They won a Super Bowl without him, but he was seen as a franchise pillar and now he's a guy telling you about two sprained ankles. What happened? (laughs)
7: Life comes at you fast, doesn't it? And I think we have seen that with Carson Wentz. You know, he went from, as you said, that guy in 2017, I thought, to last year being basically the, the guy who, who took the blame or a lot of the blame for a lot that went wrong in Philadelphia. I don't know that I've seen a guy who was considered a, a franchise quarterback uh, both publicly committing to him and financially committing to him going from that to out the door in such a short period of time. I mean, it was really a unique situation that you're not going to see very often in the NFL. I mean, even in today's day and age where commitments are fleeting and quarterbacks are on short leashes, even under today's circumstances, it it was definitely uh, something to behold. But to your question, I think he needed a new start. There's no question he needed a new start. The, the Eagles needed that, and Carson Wentz needed that. However, now that has been short-circuited, as you said, after two games here. Uh, so he's got two bone ankles. The right one is worse than the left, but uh, he's got a lot of work to do if he's going to be able to play this Sunday.
3: You know what, Stephen, uh, I'll admit it. You know, I like a little gossip every now and then. I like whisper campaigns. I like uh, trashy TV. I'll tell you, I watch The Real Housewives of Potomac, uh, just like anybody else. All right, so I like some of the craziness and there's plenty of craziness surrounding Carson Wentz. When he left Philadelphia, I heard all kinds of stuff about what kind of guy he was or what kind of guy he wasn't. How about in Indianapolis? Is he is he a leader in that locker room or do you hear some of the same things that, that we heard about him in Philadelphia?
7: I think it's a little early to tell, but he. I will say this. The, the guys have definitely taken to him. I know one of the first things he did, he did this over the summer before training camp was he had a lot of the offensive players come out to Houston where he he makes his offseason home. They came out there and had, you know, kind of an unofficial retreat. They got some work done on the field. You know, they hit some golf balls. They did a little bit of that, some pool, et cetera. So I I thought that was a good effort on his part. I I will say this for Carson Wentz. He is self-aware, like he knows what people think about him. He may care too much what people think about him, actually, to, to be completely honest. But he definitely is aware of it, and I think that was an example of him trying to get ahead of it. Now, whether that's going to be enough, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, you got to do it between the lines, and if you're doing it between the lines, your leadership off the field tends to be less of a factor. I think that's what boils. That's what this boils down to. You know, had he still been that guy he was in 2017, maybe people weren't sort of rubbed the wrong way uh, when it comes to his leadership style in Philadelphia, but you have a situation where maybe they lost confidence in you as a leader. And then they also lost confidence in you as a player. And you can't have both. You can't battle on both of those fronts.
0: I read where the Colts uh, have invested more money in their O line than all but one team in the NFL, but two games in 21 quarterback hits 26 QB pressures certainly didn't help playing the Rams and Aaron Donald like they did last week. And, and it's funny, you said life comes at you fast. You add, life comes at you fast in Philadelphia. We just finished talking about Ben Simmons, his fall from grace. But yeah. I do want to ask, though, much like in Philadelphia, and we talked a lot about this, Carson Wentz's decline was not all Carson Wentz's fault. Uh, the thinking was that going and, you know, reuniting with Frank Reich would, uh, would reinvigorate him uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, return his career. I'm sorry, just yeah. throw a blank there. So what I want to what I want to know from you, Stephen, is resurrect his career. That's the word I couldn't find for some reason. Resurrect his career. What I want to find what I want to know from you though is what are they doing around him? I pointed out that stat about the hits and the pressures. What are they doing around him uh after two games uh that they're not doing well enough that they don't need to correct going forward in addition to him getting healthy?
7: Yeah, there there has been a little bit of dysfunction in the offense and it, it traces back really to injuries you know they have had a number of guys miss pretty much all of training camp in the preseason Carson Wentz among them right the offensive line a majority of the offensive line missed the entirety of training camp and so what i've been telling fans in indianapolis is that you know when you talk about training camp and oh, a guy will be back for the season no big deal It is a big deal. That's what I think. I really think when you see an offensive line underperforming the way this one has, you talked about the investment. I really think it traces back to they're not ready. They they weren't ready for the season opener. And, you know, that's not anybody's fault, per se. It's just circumstances are what they are. Look, they've signed Eric Fisher to be their left tackle. This guy's coming off an Achilles tear. He gets all the credit in the world for getting back out there, missing one game after getting hurt in the AFC Championship. Remarkable. But to suggest that he's in mid-season, mid-season form? Of course not. Same thing with Quentin Nelson, who's battling a, a back injury. You know, he fought valiantly against Aaron Donald, so God bless him. But uh, these these guys, you know, so, same thing with their their Pro Bowl center, Ryan Kelly, their, their right tackles hurt. So, I mean, they got a lot going on. I think it's going to take a while. And then they're dealing with... Also, Carson Wentz trying to get on the same page as these receivers. He missed all of training camp with a foot injury. So, you know, we talk about his injury history. It's not just these ankles. It's also this this foot injury that kept him out of training camp. So it is a recurring story. Like, I don't like to label guys injury prone, but I get where the label comes from. There's no question about that.
0: Yeah. Um, Broaden it out a little bit. Carson Wentz was ob- was obviously uh, as well well known to be one of the unvaccinated, most high profile unvaccinated players. That was a big topic during training camp. You co-authored a piece for the Athletic with Lindsey Jones, looking at uh, just how uh, oppressive, if you will, the uh, protocols are for unvaccinated players. Now, the vast majority of NFL players, uh, well over ninety percent have had at least one shot. So I think you, you guys said it's about 200 or so players who are unvaccinated. I wonder in, in your research, did you find that like Denzel Perriman of the Raiders, did you find that players are being worn down and beaten into submission, if you will, and coming around to getting vaccinated so to avoid having a social distance, having to test early and every day, uh, having to you know, go through all the different Uh, Steps that vaccinated players do not, being ostracized, being outcast, as Denzel Perryman said, are are those holdouts coming around just through exhaustion, or are they dug in and we're just not going to get the league completely vaccinated or close to it?
7: There's no question that the protocol have had an impact. Now, the question going forward is going to be, what about these last holdouts? are they going to be influenced because they've been dealing with this now for what training camps opened in the last week of July. So these guys have had enough time to understand what they're dealing with and to, to know what this is going to be like. And so I, I think what you saw is between the time players reported for camp and maybe the end of the preseason, roughly, you saw a big increase in the numbers in that span And I think that's where the protocols really hit home for players. Like, oh, I got to do this every day and I got to eat outside in a tent. You know, like that's what they were dealing with in some cases in training camp. You know, obviously they're back at their facilities, so the the logistics are a little better, but it's no question. It is really um, it, it cramps your lifestyle. There's no question about it. So, again, I think a lot of players did react to the protocols and get vaccinated I would say prior to the regular season, I know there were quite a few Colts players, for example, who would miss a practice uh, on a random day. And it turns out they were getting their second shot. So they needed to kind of lay down a little Mm -hmm. bit. I was like, all right, that's, that's a good reason to miss practice. Now that you're into the season. Yeah. But, but now that we're into the season, I think most players have made that decision who are going to make that decision. I think they made that decision already. I think these guys, I mean, for better or worse, they are definitely headstrong. I'll give them that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not for the right reason, yeah. but they're definitely headstrong. Yeah.
0: And on the worst side, another high-profile, unvaccinated quarterback, Cam Newton, probably will remain unemployed longer than he should because, yep. as you pointed out in the article, teams are going to be reluctant to sign a quarterback on short notice that has to go through a, a period of being uh, you know, indoctrinated into the team, has to be away from the team as they if they're unvaccinated. Hey, Stephen Holder, you do fantastic work with the athletic man. It's so good to see you, bro. It's been a long time, been too long. Let's not be a stranger. Make sure you come back uh, a little, uh, come back soon. Let's not, uh, let's not be too long before your next visit to brother from another.
7: All right, let's do it. No question. I appreciate brothers. Yeah. All right, man, you, brothers. Thank you, Steven. The idea behind the taunting rule is, is to prevent the bigger things. OK, we, we've had this example where one guy taunts a guy and then the guy comes back for, for a little payback. And next thing you know, you've got a big fight on your hands. You've got guys coming from left field hitting each other, you know. And, and that's really what, what, what you're really, to me, I think the referees are really looking for. They're just trying to get it quieted down. And, and that's really what it's. I mean, you can do the celebration. They sent a tape out and explained exactly what's taunting and what's not. And, and I think if you look at the tape and you follow the tape, then, then it makes sense. We're not trying to stop the players from having fun. We're just trying to make sure we don't end up with a brawl on our hands. All of us, to a man, um, acknowledge that that's something that needed to be addressed. That's why it's a point of emphasis, and that's why none of us are surprised um, of the number in terms of being increased. The players will adjust. Um, they always do. Um, they better adjust quickly.
0: Man, you know, Mike, um... When Mike Tomlin speaks, I know I speak for you. When Mike Tomlin speaks, and for that matter, Ron, yes, you know, but especially Mike T, when Mike Tomlin speaks, I listen. And so I, it got me thinking, like, yo, am I wrong? Am I, am I overreacting to the overreaction, in my opinion, from the league with regard to taunting? No, Michael. No, Michael, you're not overreacting, I said to myself. It's like, look, with all due respect, they've forgotten more football than I know, and they watch more football than I do. But I just don't see the league on the verge of a malice in the palace type situation if we don't get this taunting under control. So let me get this straight. You want the players to punch each other in the face. You want them to hit them in the mouth. You want them to try right. to kill each other between the whistles and then afterward shut it down, go back to the huddle. You want them to shut down that emotion. You want them to be trained killers right. from whistle to whistle, and then afterward not let that emotion carry over into celebration that toes the line between celebrating and showing up an opponent. Look man, ain't nobody doing anything so egregious and if they are they're getting flagged for it and we recognize it's taunting. My issue is that they're overcorrecting. they're overcorrecting right It's like they're going too far. Some people are saying, oh we're making too big of a deal out of a point of emphasis on a rule that was already on the books. I think they're going too far trying to be proactive and preventative for something that's like, how often are we seeing benches clearing or people, how everybody's talking about, oh, you know, if we don't put a stop to this, somebody might come back and retaliate. Show me the book. Tell me when that's happened. Tell me how often that's happened. Tell me when somebody has done something and then somebody has come and cheap shot at them or tried to hurt them and started some kind of a ruckus or whatever because of, because somebody chucked up the deuces. Like, you know, and I, for one, don't talk about what the fans want to see. I, for one, I like Tyreek Hill chucking up the deuces. And you know what I like even more than Tyreek Hill chucking up the deuces? Antoine Winfield getting it back in the Super Bowl. I, for one, like that, Yeah. you know? And so I just, we we know what taunting looks like. It's like the old saying about pornography. You know it when you see it. Getting in somebody's face is not taunting. Make an incomplete sign, standing over him. You know what? Don't ever show NFL Films footage of Dick Buckus standing over somebody and pointing his finger after a big hit. Don't ever show that again. That's what this that's football. I'm sorry. And I look, I ain't played beyond high school. I know who am I to say was football? So what? Michael, you never played. So you ain't never put on a jock strap. You don't know what you're talking. Fine. As a fan, I am not seeing yeah. this problem that needs to be fixed. You know, like on Twitter is like, nobody, absolutely nobody. NFL, let's go and fix this taunting epidemic that we had. Like, what what was the problem here? And now You have as many taunting flags in two weeks as you had all season last year. I believe the number is 11 and eight last week. They're overcorrecting, going too far. And it's not that I want to see players being unsportsmanlike and disrespecting other players. I'm not saying I want to see that. What I don't want to see, Michael, is 15-yard penalties. I didn't sign up to see officials. I didn't sign up to see refs. But I do want to see players be themselves and they grown ass men. Since when are they worried about players' feelings? Oh, now you worry about whether player, oh my God, he talked to me. I gave up a pass and the and, and, and Avery and uh, he got in my face and he talked. Trash talking is part of sports. They talk part trash sport. in sports. Part of sports. They talk yep. trash yep. in sports. They are competing. And I'm not sure. That's what they
3: do. I'm not Come sure. Uh, what you are we said, talking no. about here? I think I kind of I kind of do like seeing it. <laughs> I like seeing it and here's the other thing it happens. This is why it's such a complicated rule because and we're going to talk to some folks who know uh, you know a little bit who know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some people who get away with taunting because they're not on the perimeter so they're not downfield So you mean to tell me defensive tackles And O tackles don't talk trash the entire game. You don't think they talk to each other So it's obvious when somebody is pointing in your face and they have to be separated by the official But a lot of times there's banter going on on the offensive and defensive lines at the line of scrimmage It's uh, just say a banter at the line of scrimmage. That might be uh, a little pointed a little harsh and the officials aren't paying attention because down the field, the cornerback is doing this over the receiver ooh, who didn't catch the ball or the receiver is is spitting the football right over the guy. He caught a pass over, or or just like, hey, you know, patting him on the head or wagging a finger at him. Come on. It's, it's so what? the same with
0: end zone celebrations. You, it, you don't like it. it? Here's the part. Stop them and you'll get your turn the to talk problem. trash. Hey, Mike. Can I tell you what the problem is? Yeah, this is why ahead. yeah, I got you. I'm gonna tell you what
3: the problem is why you said when did it become this big issue? It became a big issue When the money became bigger when the dollars became larger and the NFL mm-hmm. I used to joke the NFL Eventually, it's just gonna become a studio league. They're gonna be like, you know 12,000 fans you can have a stadium for 12,000 fans just for optics and It's mostly produced in the studio. Everybody's got nice stuff at home nice TVs They're watching their TVs and it's just like a made for TV product and in a made for TV product you want to be able to pre- you want as many predictive elements as you can get and one of the things that apparently is making advertisers owners somebody uncomfortable is players being a little too dramatic going back and forth with one another and I think the NFL is trying to curb it and bring up, bring about a more um, Sanitized, wholesome, made for TV product.
0: Sure, wholesome. Other some than would the say. violence, yeah. Other than the violence. Um, Omaha, Omaha. I'm, I'm calling. The, I'm calling the audible. call the audible. Typically, we go to break by now. Typically, we would you know reset for the second hour of Brother from Another. But we got my old friend and our new colleague yeah. at NBC Sports and Peacock, <laughs> Mike Golick, is on the line. I told you, are, you. you took it in the trenches, Michael. This man knows about yeah. the trenches. So I said, look, neither one of us played. this man played. It's so good to see you, Mike. It's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Here we are reunited again. I know you've been listening to our conversation about the taunting rule. I have no idea where you stand on. it. I have not heard your take. So correct us where we wrong. And where are you on this point of emphasis point of emphasis? I need to emphasize that point of emphasis on the taunting rule this year and 11 flags we've seen through two weeks.
2: Well, obviously, first, uh, Mike, great to see you. Great T-shirt, as usual. Uh, you usually come, come to town <laughs> with that. Um, I don't know your clock, so I don't know when you need to be out, but I was listening for the last, you know, five, ten minutes. Okay, here we go. First, the smack talk that goes on on the line of scrimmage, there is smack talk. Normally, it's quit holding me, blank you. That's pretty much the extent. <clears throat> Offensive and defensive linemen are too concerned about getting air into their lungs after a play to smack talk to the extent it's always been the further away from the ball, the more smack talk that you get. So there is some on the line, but nothing that that is. Too bad because guys are short and sweet. Like I said, it's usually two words and it ends in you, and then they go back to the huddle. This, <laughs> the, You guys hit the nail on the head. It's points of emphasis. Let's, let's talk about other times they've done this. They did it when they wanted to stop the defense from dropping their heads on tackles and, or, or the one time the offensive running backs – when they were dropping their heads point of emphasis they called it about three times in a preseason game then they said ah oh, we can't do this anymore we're not going to do it point of emphasis became a few years ago don't drop your head on a tackle again it was a rule that was already there but it was going to be emphasized and they went overboard on it they've gone overboard on protecting a quarterback i understand why because I'll, as i'll get to the the taunting in a minute i understand why because this is a little more of a health concern with heads and such but I still think they went too far, but their thought was you got to break a few eggs if you're going to make you know, an omelet. And we're going to overemphasize the point of dropping your head to the point of, of even when a wide receiver changes his level, when he does – it's still on the defensive player to hit in the right spot, which drives me freaking bananas. And, and let me tell you, the toughest position to play in the NFL is defensive back because you don't know where the heck to hit a guy. You think you're aiming at the right spot, and it changes in a split second, and you're, the league is saying you're responsible for it. God forbid you land on a quarterback anymore. God forbid you're going to get flagged, fined, and maybe thrown out of the game. The, right. the rules they have for the quarterback, again, points of emphasis, are protection. So you're always going to see it quicker than others. A hard hit, they're going to throw a flag. And then we'll go to film later and we'll say, okay, that wasn't as bad as we thought, but they're told to throw the flag. They're told to make it a point of emphasis for safety. Now the taunting, give me a friggin' break. I, 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 it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous to me not to sit there and say, I want someone getting up and jawing in somebody's face for five minutes all the way to the next play, but it is an emotional game, man. You work hard out there. You make the play and there's that quick, no incomplete or quick point, point at you, and, and then you move on. To, but, again, don't blame the refs. The refs are told by the league, right. make it a point of emphasis, when in doubt, throw the flag. And one of the things they're doing is they're trying to say, we want to be a good role model for kids, for youth football, high yeah. school. My, my Here's my thought. When a youth football player says, well, they did it in the pros. You know what I tell that kid? Well, as soon as you get to the NFL, you go ahead and do that. While you're here, you do something like that. (laughs) Yeah, you you, you do that here, your butt's on the bench. Okay, those are are professional players uh, who have done a whole lot to get there with a whole lot of talent. So I think they have gone too far. But, guys, this is just what they do. When they make something a point of emphasis, yeah. they're going to call it early, and by the sixth, seventh, eighth week, you won't see it called as much.
0: Yeah, I just, I, I, I guess I, my, I'm curious, curious about, like, what are these, what's this crisis that they're trying to avert, like, avoid? What is this, what is this, imminent disaster if they don't get this under control somebody's gonna like you know go go billy blanks and 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 the last boy scout or something because somebody sure. talked about their mama I mean it's like this is like this this happens all the time and and we know it when we see like you know Mike Mike you know the difference when it's poor taste we know when yes. somebody's doing something just like completely out of pocket that feels few and far between like I just taunting has such a negative connotation trash talk is okay taunting it like if somebody is hurt and down and grabbing, uh, you know, a, a limb and somebody standing over him and celebrating that we know that's in poor taste and that'll be that should be policed, but celebrations right. after an incompletion or talking trash or chucking up the deuces because you're the fastest guy on the field. that feels fun. I don't want that out of the game as a fan.
2: I'll never understand how chucking up the deuces is going to catch you a flag. I would have loved to have been able to do that my career. I was just never fast enough to do it. <laughs> uh, this, this, is all, this is all optics. This is all for the look of the game, which is difficult because, again, you're not on the field. You're not involved in the emotion of the game, of making a big play, of doing that immediate thing after. And, and I'm with you. I think there is a line. You can tell if someone's grabbing a knee and you're pointing at them and laughing or doing the throat slit. Okay, I get it. But, I mean, you you can see that. If two guys are getting up, jaw, now I don't want anybody spitting on one another because, you know, then you're going to get right. a brawl, and, and, and I get it. But you can tell the refs are right there. The flags are coming out so quick, way quicker than they have to. But, again, they're being told to do it, to try and curb players from doing it in the first quarter of the season, hoping the players will police themselves on it and they won't have to worry about it going on later in the season.
3: Yep. I, I want to ask you, I do want to ask you, Mike, uh, as we just look at the NFL first two games of the year, if, if anything, I mean, beyond this, beyond taunting, you know, is somebody's play, a, a team's performance, a coach's performance, if anything has gotten your attention, you look at it and you say, wow, I didn't expect that, that's pretty intriguing. Uh, and, and, if, and if so, what is that thing or
2: what are, the, what are those things? Um, I would probably look at the Raiders that I, I, I didn't really see this coming, especially for a team that basically gave away their offensive line in the off season. We, we were all going, what the hell are you doing? But what they have now is they have a defense. And when you have a defense and, and I, re, I remember being part of some great defenses in Philly, if you have a defense, you're in every game. So the Raiders are going to be in every game because their defense is playing really well. What's amazing to me is the old line is revamped. I think even it was already revamped to start the season. Then I think in the last game, they had three backups in there. No Josh Jacobs. He has an ankle. They ran for about two yards. I think that's it. They're not running the ball. But Derek Carr it leads the league in passing yards. I mean, understand Waller, the tight end, Darren Waller, the tight, the tight end. This guy was plucked by the Raiders off the Baltimore Ravens practice squad in 2018. I mean, is that and this guy has turned into the, one of the best tight ends in league. It's been incredible what he's done. So... I give kudos to Derek Carr, a guy in Derek Carr who still doesn't see – it still looks like he wants the acceptance from his dad, John. you know, John Gruden, you know, looking for acceptance from his coach. And John not giving it to him, basically. He's not. And Derek just trying to go out and prove it over and over again. And let me tell you, he's doing a damn good job this year of doing that. So, if they can get any kind of running game going to go with that passing game and defense, I mean, that, that to me has probably been – Now, they've been 2-0 in 2017, 2-0 in 2020, didn't go anywhere, but their defense feels feels a little different to me. That'll keep them in games.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, beating Baltimore and Pittsburgh, a couple of perennial contenders, this 2-0 does feel feel different. On the flip side, though, Michael and I disagreed about this the other day. Staying in the AFC West, uh, Mike Goliath, I'm a believer in the Broncos, mainly because I actually thought they could sneak up on people in the preseason. Now, I know beating the Giants and Jaguars, albeit on the road, doesn't get you many power rankings votes. I get that. And then this week, um, you know, they end up with the Jets at home. So the schedule has been very favorable to them uh, through three weeks. So they could be 3 and 0 and still have a lot of non believers. How good can the Broncos be uh, in, a, in one of the toughest divisions in the league? Can they be that AFC team that kind of sneaks into the playoffs and catches oh, I mean, the the uh, flies? Or are they smoking mirrors?
2: Well, I, 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 if I'm going to lean one way, I'm going to lean smoke and mirrors way. But what what gives me hope for them, and I'll say it again about the other side of the ball, their defense, especially that pass rush. If you can keep a game yep. close, you can be in a game. We've seen really good Teddy Bridgewater, and we've seen really bad at times Teddy Bridgewater. So how consistent is going to be? And then the other thing, when everybody was talking about the Bridgewater lock battle and Bridgewater won it, and I thought he should have, but the first thing I thought of is, okay, when when does it happen? When does the booing start? When does the put Drew Locke in? Because you know the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town. So when is Vic Fangio faced with that? If Teddy starts to struggle a little bit, then when do you pull him to put Drew Locke because it was a close competition? And and I think Denver's a team that's gonna get in that position at some point. So I think they're a little bit of both. I'd probably lean toward a little bit of smoke and mirrors right now, but because sure. I, I think the defense can have a good pass rush, that could help them out.
0: And, and I think Bradley Chubb is out six to eight, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so that, yeah. that, yeah. doesn't, that help. doesn't help. Um, we were talking about uh, the news, no surprise earlier, that Justin Fields is the starter this week, according to Matt Nagy, <laughs> uh, against Cleveland. Uh, chances that Andy Dalton gets that job back.
2: Oh chances are good because Justin Fields are rookie guys. You know what rookies do? Rookies make mistakes. This, this this blew my mind. Okay? Andy Dalton should have started the year. Jimmy Garoppolo should have started the year. When you're on teams mm-hmm. when you're on teams that have playoff potential and the 49ers absolutely do. You're going to put a rookie in there? Listen, I love Trey Lance and I love what maybe he can be. But you know what he is right now? He's a rookie. He will make more mistakes than big plays. Jimmy Garoppolo will be more consistent for a good running team, for one of the best tight ends around, for good receivers, for an excellent defense. The Chicago Bears, now, not like the 49ers were a great chance to get in the playoffs, but a good chance to get in the playoffs, again, because of their defense. Their defense is playing extremely well. I'm not putting a rookie in there. And everybody says, well, the O-line is not good. He can run around a little more. Mm. It's still a timing. You still have to play from the pocket and timing. Justin Fields could be a great quarterback down the road. But he will make more mistakes than big plays. Huh. You saw, he, he, he ran for a first down, did a nice job, threw an interception. Yeah. Started to, started to run and held the ball out and got it knocked out of his hand and fumbled the ball even though they were covered. He, he, he's going to make some good plays, but he's going to make bad plays. So put a consistent quarterback in there like Andy Dalton huh. and see where this goes. If you get to a while in the season where you're not going to go into the playoffs, then go ahead and put the other guy yeah. in because I agreed with Burrow last year. I agreed with Trevor Lawrence this year and Zach Wilson because those teams are going nowhere. Put those quarterbacks in, right. let them get their eyes watered and their nose bloodied now, and get the experience as those teams build. Even
0: e- even well, if their quarterback is consistently mediocre like Andy Dalton. But, Michael, I'll, I'll give it to you great. in a second because, you know, I go back with Big Mike. I go back with Big Mike Golick. I just yes. want to see if I, if I know Mike Golick the way I think I know it. I'm nodding and smiling because you know what I think I hear? I think I hear that player whose livelihood yeah. and, and paycheck yes. is on the line. And is yes. in the locker room saying, listen, I get the front office wants to develop their new quarterback and I get he's the new hot thing in town. But I'm trying to win football games and I ain't trying to trust no rookie with winning football games. And I ain't trying to go five and eleven while he develops. I got a short shelf life. Is that what I'm hearing? Mike Golick, defensive tackle Mike? I'm hearing defensive tackle Mike Golick here. Well, you know,
2: all has a short uh, shelf life. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. If this team doesn't win, if they're five and 11, how many times have we seen a rookie quarterback come in with a coach who's already been there. And then after that first year, that coach is fired and they bring somebody else to develop the quarterback in. That's, what's going to happen to Matt Nagy. So I, but to your point, yes, you're right. You also have an obligation to the other 52 guys in the locker room, especially as I said, it's different in Jacksonville. They know they're not going anywhere. The Jets aren't going anywhere. Last year, Cincinnati wasn't going anywhere. You put those guys in. If your team has a shot, I'm going. You want to call it consistently mediocre with Dalton. What else I call it is you're not going to turn the ball over. Now, if Dalton starts throwing interception after interception, I get it. But he's not, he normally doesn't. Garoppolo normally doesn't. Garoppolo's got a winning record out, uh, outside of being hurt in San Francisco. I'm going to trust the veteran more while my team tries to make a run than the flashes of a rookie, some great flashes, which you will definitely get. But, guys, name me the last rookie quarterback that took a team deep into the playoffs. I mean, it just doesn't happen a lot. Ray it doesn't. You're going to make the mistakes. Roethlisberger. Okay, who? who have, Russell have, Wilson. Not, not, yeah,
0: more often than Russell? not, it doesn't, but there's precedent. There's precedent. Hey, there's precedent, but, but,
3: but I'm, not, okay. I'm not trusting oh, yeah. it. I guess. Okay. Well, okay. A, a couple of things here. So if the guy, if the court, I know it's different. D tackle versus quarterback, but in the quarterback <laughs> situation, if you've got a special guy, if you've got Dan Marino as a rookie to go in the way back machine, if you got Dan Marino as a rookie, was not a number one overall pick and, and he's, he's dealing with David Woodley. I think it was, <laughs> Well, look, hey, put Marino in there. You got something special. Last year, Justin Herbert. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but Herbert over to, uh, to Taylor. But I'm going to give you the D tackle example. Let's go back to young Mike Golick. Mike Golick has a D tackle in front of him who's not as talented as he is, but has more experience. It's not fair, Mike, that you got to sit on a bench and watch some guy play over you just because his birth certificate goes back further than yours. That's not fair.
2: You should be in there playing. Who says How about Justin that? Fields? Is, who said Justin Fields is better than Andy Dalton? What is what is Justin Fields? Yeah, I do. What, what what has he done? He's, what has Justin Fields done? But impress you in the hold on. But impress you in the preseason against vanilla defenses, no blitzes, the easiest looks in the world. Going against second and third teamers. If I gotta see that rollout throwback to the tight end touchdown of his preseason play <laughs> one more time, the guy was wide open. What do you two could have made that throw? I mean, I listen, this I isn't knocks, this isn't knocks against this <laughs> isn't knocks against Justin Fields. I think he could be a good quarterback, yeah. but because he flashes as a better athlete than Andy Dalton, everybody wants to throw him in there. He's gonna okay. make mistakes. He's going to. So if you have a quarterback like Dalton, who at times has been very good in the regular season, not so much in the post, mm-hmm. but very good in the regular season. Oh, for sure. I, maybe I'm leaning more again to that guy in the locker room as a former player, yeah. but I want the chance to move on each week. At some point, it's going to be Justin Fields' job. At some point, it's going to be Trey Lance's job. Hell, it may be Justin Fields for good right now. He may, he may uh, get, you know, he's going to get the, all the reps all week. And he may show well enough and pull out a win and be the guy. He may turn out to be excellent. My point was I was starting the season with Andy Dalton and I was starting the season with Jimmy Garoppolo and we go from there week to week.
0: Yo, man, I just want to say, first of all, we could do this with you all day. I miss yeah. doing this. I, we really could. Uh, I, Michael Holly. I think you'll stand in agreement with me right now that I don't care who got who in the offseason in the NFL, Bears included, I'd say we had the best free agent signing of the offseason, bringing <laughs> Mike Golick over to this team. We had the best, this, this this the best signing in my mind. Can we do this again real soon, Mike?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna that. Again. You know, when, until you guys sign the next guy and put him in instead of me, and then you know, then we'll have that to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's he's gonna make mistakes. You're steady. <laughs> we go with the experienced
0: veteran here. That's what we want. <laughs> Mike Golik, man, we appreciate you coming through, brother. Thank you so much. Good, well, good doing stuff,
3: up, Mike. Take care, man. See ya. You gave us an interior presence, Mike Golick.
0: Exactly, we need that. We needed some toughness, right?
3: That's right, absolutely. I understand how he feels, but as a power move, I kind of think he's powerless. I'm on his side. But when it comes down to strategy, when it comes down to action items, Mike, I think he's really he's on Philadelphia's program. Whether, whether he's talking to them
0: or not, they control his future. The Sixers made this bed. They now have to sleep in it. It is not on Ben Simmons to sleep in this proverbial bed. And in fact, the more Ben Simmons Doesn't suck it up and say as as Joel Embiid alluded to doesn't suck it up and say I'll show you I've been in the gym. I've been in the lab. You wasn't with me shooting in the gym. I'm coming back with a vengeance to win this town over to take this team to the next level the way I haven't so far the more he doesn't take that approach is the more the Sixers should further know that it's ridiculous. To bring him back into this situation, he ain't built for it, and that's Listen. not a criticism. That's just a fact. Well, that's, a that's okay. No, that's Everybody a ain't built for that. No, that a that ain't. Everybody, whoa, 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 that's Everybody.
3: That's just that's just not who he is, Miles, and that's Stop okay. That. Stop that.
0: that. Stop. No, that's okay. No, that's all no, right.
3: That's disingenuous. That's, hey, man, that's disingenuous to say. No, it's not. That's not a criticism. Say, bro, Oh, that's a criticism, say, bro, and you know cert- it. That is a broadside. stuff I ain't
0: built for. this certain stuff I ain't built for. Know thyself, on, Mike. Okay. Uh, let's just say we get a little fired up from time to time talking about Ben Simmons. <laughs> I mean, it, again, it's every day. It's a new development. Today is Doc on a media tour a day late a dollar short. Even though yeah. they've showed Ben Simmons one thing. Trying to say all the right things now, how much they love him and want him back. And now they believe in him. They believe in him when they can't get what they want in return for him, which is a conversation that I am so glad to be able to have with Kurt Heelan from Pro Basketball Talk. I mean, that's my go to site for basketball information. I've told you this privately. I'm not putting off a company. I have told Kurt this that I love what they do at Pro Basketball Talk, not just because it's NBCSports.com. I was reading it before I got here. Um, so we appreciate your insight, Kurt. And um, what would you make of, of, of Doc Simmons, oh, Doc Simmons, wishful thinking. Doc Simmons. Doc Rivers. Yeah. guess <laughs> yeah. <laughs> combine them at this point, right? That would be a disaster for everybody. But Doc Rivers' attempt at reframing the narrative around the Sixers' desire to have Ben Simmons remain on the team.
5: Yeah. You know, Doc was a pretty good point guard back in the day, but he would have been better at 6'10". I mean, let's be honest, man. Six foot ten, Doc Rivers would have been very good. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I I I ran the video when I ran the story. I'm like, Doc, that whole thing where he said, "Man, you guys are misquoting me and misrepresenting what I said." I'm like, look at the video, man. <laughs> you threw him under the bus. Like, you can you can make the argument that you can't get back what you want in a trade or whatever argument you want to make, but don't try the "I didn't throw him under the bus." You threw him under. And Doc Rivers is out now. It just felt like this alternate reality, didn't it? Like, I watched the whole thing, and I'm like, what is he talking about? That is not what's been going on through any of uh, – it just doesn't tie into the everything going on right now, all the buzz going on. But the whole – let me be honest with you. The whole Ben Simmons thing seems out of touch, sort of. There's all this buzz. Rich Paul's trying to put pressure. Training camp's coming. Doc Rivers is speaking. But you talk to people actually about the trade and around the league, and they're like, yeah, nobody's talking. Like, there's just nothing going on. It's just dead in the water. There's nothing happening. Wow. No, I just what, think what? the problem is, as long as they're asking for... Right now, the offers are a little low ball. They're hoping that the pressure from, Beth, you know, Rich Paul and them get to Island, right? Like, hey, maybe they will take D'Angelo Russell and some picks and parts and be try to flip that again, which is what the Sixers don't want to do. And I mean, I'm not taking Marvin Bagley from Sacramento. Like, the offers are not that great. So they're just going to have to wait till something better comes along, and I—it's going to be—it's, you know, everybody's kind of calling it a battle or a blinking contest. It feels more like a siege. Like we, we should dig in. This might be going on for a while.
3: Kurt, well, I'm wondering what would you do uh, from both perspectives. So if you're Philadelphia, just realistically, what would you take? Because obviously, what they're asking for, nobody's yeah. feeling them there. So they got to come down a level or come down a couple of levels. Yeah. What would you do if you're Philadelphia? What would you pursue or what would you seek if, if you were Ben Simmons?
5: Look, I'd love to get the all-star for all-star trade. Sure, they'd love to get Damian Lillard or, or you know, Bradley Beal or something. That's not happening bar, barring something strange. So if you're Philadelphia, you've got to come back to getting a player or two and enough picks, enough good picks – that you can flip that into the player you want, right? Like, if, if you're not getting the player directly you want, then you've got the second type of trade you can make in this situation is get a bunch of pieces and we'll flip those combined with maybe a you know, maybe a Tyrese Maxey or some players we have into something we do want. And I think they're reaching that point. There's not an all-star out there available. Damian Lillard's not available. And frankly, even if Damian Lillard wants out, he is not going to ask out till December 15th because that's when the Knicks pieces all come together and they can start bidding for him and it gets more interesting. Bradley Beal is Bradley Beal. He's not doesn't look like he's going anywhere. If you're not getting that guy, then get a bunch of pieces in and at the trade deadline you can flip that into whoever's your are unhappy star of the moment that we don't know about.
0: There's
5: also very and, oh, by the way,
0: on the part of the Sixers. Yeah, it is, who's but I say don't know what else do. Neil O'Shea Who's to say that Neil O'Shea or Chauncey Phillips or even uh, the administration in Washington is going to want Ben Simmons back for their oh, superstar that's... player. That's, that's like getting way yeah. ahead of ourselves. But in the meantime, a big and big ahead of themselves, not us, they are. But in the meantime, um, I, I read, I think it was Mark Stein in his, uh, in his Substack, and, and you wrote about it as well on Pro Basketball Talk. Um, might Adam Silver actually step in? If this gets really ugly in terms of the holdout and him not honoring his contract and fines and suspensions, is that something that Adam Silver can and perhaps will do to
5: to resolve this? I think it's more of an, he's more of a leverage behind the scenes kind of guy though, right? Like he's not the guy who comes out and puts his foot down. He's a behind the scenes consensus builder trying to find a way to, Hey man, I'm not going to tell you not to do the process in Philly. I'm just going to kind of goad you until a bunch of people convince you to stop it, right? Like that's just kind (laughs) of, that's just how we operate. So I think it's going to be more that, but it's a, it's not a good look. Look, A holdout is not a good look for the league. It's not a good look at all. And it's really in an look. Simmons is just starting that. That's that's max extension. Like he's got four years left. He doesn't have leverage in the classic sense. His only real leverage is a holdout, but the NBA really doesn't want to return to that. So I think there would be pressure, but, like, Rich Paul's not going to feel it. Uh, ben Simmons has gotten already 25% of his salary up front. He, and, you know, he's making plenty of money. He can sit back and wait this thing out. I, like I said, I just think that this is going to last a lot longer than anybody wants it to. And I'm not even sure Adam Silver, I'm, I'm not sure what he does. Like, he can't force Ben Simmons back.
0: So, meanwhile, in Minnesota, you mentioned D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. We get this bombshell report. They fired their president of basketball operations, uh, Gerson Rosas. Uh, they fired him just this afternoon. That was a team that looked like, okay, wait a second. They might be able to take Edwards and, and, and Towns uh, and, and, and Russell and, and, and maybe, you know, combine Ben Simmons with them and, and build a, a, a new power in the Western Conference. Now they're out with their team president to which Carl Anthony Towns simply responded with a WTF tweet. Uh, yeah. What's going on in Minnesota? Um, what does this mean for perhaps their pursuit of Ben Simmons or or even Carl Anthony Towns and, and, and his happiness? Anthony Edwards is going to be good wherever he is. A1 from day one. We ain't <laughs> worried about
5: Anthony Edwards yet. <laughs> but Carl, I mean, yeah. what does this mean in the grand scheme of things? It, first off, the fact that your star player is learning about the president getting fired on Twitter is not good, man. That right. is just, that is, that is, right. that is, are they, they're trying to out Sacramento. The, like, it's a Sacramento Kings move. Let's can our GM the week before the season starts and not tell anyone, right? Like, it's right. it's kind of a strange move. The other thing I will tell you I know from talking to people is that this is the new ownership. This isn't Glenn Taylor, who's technically still the owner as he's transitioning out over the next couple of years. This is Mark Lohr and Alex Rodriguez. They are running the show right now. They are the group in there kind of calling most of the shots. And... This was them being unhappy. Now, whether they're unhappy about the Simmons trade or whether they're unhappy about something else, that's what I think everybody's still trying to figure out because nobody saw this. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just Carl and Downs. Like, nobody saw this coming. So what was the underlying motivation? Why, if, if you were unhappy with him, Michaels, like why would you let him do the draft? make all your offseason moves. You trade for Patrick Beverly, the other moves. Like, why let him set the table for the next guy and then just turn it over to him? Like, if you're going to get rid of somebody, then get rid of him and let somebody else set the table.
3: Yeah, uh, that's funny. That's funny. I like your point, uh, Kurt. Great point. With well, Carl Anthony Towns, unless he's an actor, unless he knew about <laughs> it all along, but he's just trying to... You know, just trying to play along yeah. uh, and try and curry favor right. with the fans. Hey, I'm or just maybe like, you just guys. Still pissed.
0: Maybe
5: yeah. he knew and he's still right. pissed, you know? Yeah, he, he might be. Yeah. And I just don't – that's such a team that, like, you can say what you want about Rosas, and we don't know what went on behind the scenes yet. But I don't know what that team is. They have dealt with so many injuries. They were hit so hard with COVID. Everything's so strange about that team in the last couple of years – I don't know what they are. What do they look like when they're health? I mean, I don't look, they're not a contender, but are they a playing team? Maybe. I I don't know what they are. And I don't feel like Rose has ever got the chance to see what his team would look like now.
3: Hey, listen, Hey, Kurt, I've had my own uh, WTF moment on brother from another, (laughs) especially when talking about Kyrie Irving. We argue a lot all the time, uh, Mike and I about the Brooklyn nets and I was shocked, though I really was. Mike thought I was trolling. I was not trolling when I heard about these Kyrie Irving trade rumors, and he would retire uh, before uh, allowing himself to be traded. Do you think it would make sense for the Brooklyn Nets to trade any of their guys, uh, specifically Kyrie Irving?
5: If you got look in a those hypotheticals, right? So, yeah, right. In a hypothetical fantasy basketball world, would I swap out Kyrie Irving for Bradley Beal? Yeah, sure. Okay. But in 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 reality, I don't know that that trade exists on any level. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing. They're about to extend him. They're talking to him about an extension. I think the only question with Kyrie Irving, it was in his last contract, is do you put in some of those Joel M B games played? Like, you're going to have to hit a number to get all your money type of thing uh, in there. But aside that, look, you're gonna max out Harden, which will happen pretty quickly, I imagine. You're gonna probably max out Irving. And I think you're gonna live with these. The problem with getting rid of him, really, ultimately, is what does Kevin Durant want? Like he came as a package, right? You can't you can't send that guy out. Now maybe again, in a hypothetical world where you're landing some other superstar that maybe fits better, Durant signs off on it. But I don't envision that. I think that those three kind of see themselves as as the trio and they probably should, man. <laughs> In my mind, that team is the clear and obvious favorite to win it all next year. Oh, thank you. Ooh. See, um, that's why I love
0: Kurt healing. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, honestly, that's where I get a lot of my, that's, I, I, I'm not as smart as I think I would like to pretend I am. I, I get most of my info from pro basketball talk. So thank you. I hope Curt. you're both and, wrong. Uh, though. I appreciate that. I hope you're wrong <laughs> that last line. You have no idea how well
5: that lands on this here show. I, I, I will. I will just tell you as a, as a guy who's going to travel for the basketball season. If I have to bounce in the finals between LA and Brooklyn, I'm pretty good with that.
0: Not yeah, that's true. With that. But make sure you <laughs> yeah, gotta, can't, but you please can't.
5: make
2: sure. Yeah.
5: Please
0: make sure throughout the season, you find some time to come back and kick it with us, brother. We appreciate you, man. Thank uh, you Anytime, so much. man. Anytime. All right, bro. Take care. Thank
7: you, Kurt. You know, who else, appreciate uh, it. yeah, you is, can't is go winning.
0: Michael, you know who else is winning right now? I don't know if you saw this. We, we have a lot of conversations about hip-hop, contemporary and historically speaking. Uh, Did we don't talk enough about J. Cole? Before we go to break, go listen to Heaven's EP. This dude is just I'm not going to say he's underrated because that would be doing a disservice to the people who put on for J. Cole. I need yeah. to check myself and make sure I stop leaving them out of conversations about stuff. The greatest doing it. And look, I ain't, I'm not going to go top anything. I'm just saying, he's as good no, as you i can heard. You this can. stuff is incredible. Yeah, you just can't. And then he goes, so he drops his video last night, Heaven's EP. He samples one of Drake's songs from off of a certified lover boy. And it just like, it's flames, dog. Go listen to it. And then for good measure, he hooped with the Orlando magic today. You know, he hoops. You know, your basketball player. Yeah, you I know what Orlando magic did. What, what, what can't the dude? And do? so shout out to J. Cole.
3: He, he didn't, he didn't look out of place. He didn't look out of place on the court too. I mean, it was just like, He's not. oh yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. So yeah, to your point though, Mike about, Hey, you're not going to rank them. You can't there, there. It is right there. I love it. There are just too many guys, Mike. There are too many. And they I'm using guys, once again, use it as a general term, there's just too many people to have a credible top five. Or there are enough people to have a credible top five. There are too many people to have a permanent top five. Like you just can't no, you can, that thing cannot be stacked. It's, like, it's like basketball. That, you gotta, have you a, gotta
0: revisit it. You gotta yep. it's like basketball, it's like quarterbacks, like anything. You gotta revisit it. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You gotta re, you gotta
3: revisit it quarterly. That's what we say. Quarterly. Now, this quarter. Who's your top five like, this quarter? By like, like, like quarter you
0: mean twenty-five years, or you mean like every four months? No. <laughs> every four
2: months. Every four every, 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 every four, four months. Oh wow.
0: Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, Jay but you know, Coleman I love the can't, fact cannot have a credible cover without him.
3: Oh hip hop. All grown up hip hop. Hip hop. Hip hop is in its forties. You could do every twenty-five years now. You can. You can do that.
0: Hey, Mike, you ever thrown out a first pitch before? Uh, I have.
3: Oh uh, no, and it would look just like that. If I did, I, yeah, would I was about like to say. I, but first, first of all, all,
0: that's a badass suit. That's a badass suit, kind of Rocking that too. It, I, but I'm actually but not, not surprised but that not Connor the first pitch did that. Well, but he got to be on brand. He's also on, on brand in the amount of adrenaline and testosterone like throwing it that hard is typical Conor McGregor. He knows one speed. I've never done it, but like like you said, I probably wouldn't do much better. I probably bounce it. I probably one hop it to, to home plate, but uh, in the meantime, we're going to clown Conor McGregor from a distance. <laughs> we are clown Conor McGregor. That's Man. as bad a first pitches as I can remember seeing <laughs> just a bit outside. No, no that's the worst. That's
3: the worst one I've seen. I that's mean,
0: because
3: that's, that's, that is the worst one. Worse than fifties. Yeah. And the 50, 50, had a terrible one. Um, but yes, no, that's, that's yes, bad. 50 comes to like, mind. This is, yeah. And like, there's some people who just come just short, you know, it's supposed to go 66, you know, 60 feet, six inches. And it goes 50 feet, six inches. I, right. I get that. At least you're on the
0: Understandable.
3: right path. Yeah. Yeah. Where's he going? Yeah. And why didn't just take his, Mike, take the jacket jacket off. I know you stay on brand. You got the suit on. You got the fire shoes. You're looking good. Hair's just right. Take the jacket off. And if something goes wrong, you'd be like, look, I can throw better than that. I just didn't want to get dirty. Because I'm just trying to be clean more than anything. I I ain't, you know, I ain't trying to put everything into it. But that's just, that was horrible. Is that so, the worst
0: one you've seen? Speaking of Conor McGregor, speaking of fighting, uh, Aaron Rodgers took the gloves off yesterday on Pat McAfee's show. Oh, nice. He came in, his critics. Oh, that's nice. And then, and then he oh, I like that. Kind of a uh, clarified. No, oh. I not know about clarifying. He certainly didn't walk it back. He added to it. Yeah, what's up? Yes.
3: I, I just got to acknowledge the game. I'm just going to acknowledge the game right there. What you just did there. That's, That's not easy to do. That's not easy to do. Okay, okay. Hey, I I appreciate. I just got to acknowledge. Appreciate that. What we witnessed here was a miracle, and I want you to acknowledge it. I mean, that was really that was that was well done.
0: Okay, good. It just it just it just comes. That's what Uh, I do. Here's Aaron Rodgers. It's like you like Jordan
3: Jordan shooting the threes.
6: (laughs) I think in this day and age of media. The the things that get the most it's all about clicks right and hits and views and uh, one second counts as a view so the the actually opinions that are garnering the most attention are the most outlandish so so it's not even overreaction Monday or Tuesday anymore it's overreaction every time a microphone's in your face every time you have a single shot in the camera and you get to talk to camera every time you're on a panel it's who can say the most outlandish things look I, I do want to maybe rephrase or refocus what i what i said Um, i strongly believe in everybody's ability to have an opinion and i respect the fact that they have an opinion and should have an opinion my issue is a platform given to individuals who only desire to say inflammatory things that are not based in fact right so so Personally, I, I think I would be a little sensitive to people questioning my commitment to this team. Said it from the start, if I wasn't 100% committed to the squad and my team, then I wouldn't have come back. Now, Maybe people thought that was, you know, some sort of cliché line or um, obligatory statement, but it was the truth. But to use statements like that or things I did in the offseason or, or my own mental Uh, Status that I actually explained many times in this room or in this forum uh, as the basis for statements around me not caring or not being invested with my team uh, is not rooted in fact. It's not correct. And uh, I do enjoy the opportunity to correct uh, misinformation like that.
0: Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say here, Michael. Other than hit dogs holler. Yeah, I didn't think Aaron Rodgers said or did anything wrong yesterday, uh, and I certainly didn't hear anything that I disagree with or that was out of line today. Uh, it's out of line to speculate about this person's commitment. I, to, in, from his perspective, the people who are doing it probably don't see anything wrong with it. But I understand where he's right, coming right. from. When he's like wait a second right, like you right, can have right. your opinions but i'm insulted that you without having talked to me or not knowing me would speculate and be reckless when it comes to my professionalism i know that triggers me michael smith i know that triggers me don't right, you dare right, you can say right, anything right. you want about me don't you dare right. say that I, ain't, I don't work hard or that i ain't putting forth right. the effort Or right i'm a professional don't even try that don't even, you better find somebody else to hit with all that smoke so aaron Rodgers yesterday had every right to unload on the media, and I think anybody who is being who has a problem with what he said yesterday and today, hit dogs holler. It's probably because he's talking about yeah. you. It's probably because you're 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 trafficking in hot takes and, and 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 shock jock type media.
3: See, now I don't know if Florio wrote that headline on Pro Football Talk. That's sarcasm. That's kind of simplifying. That's oversimplifying. Uh, what, what Aaron Rodgers is talking about. But <laughs> I, I will say this. I'll say this. Um, Aaron Rodgers says in his reframe, in his clarification, he says, I believe that everyone should have an opinion or, and, and everybody have, has a right to express their opinion. Well, okay, Aaron, if you believe that if your issue is those who use their platform recklessly, well, that's their, that's their right to do it. So you do, if you have, if you think everybody should have an opinion, well, their opinion may be, their position may be, I'm going to use my platform in this way because, and you go, go down this whole rabbit hole, right, what's well, the United States of America? Well, I have the right to do anything I can. And then somebody comes back and says, well, I have the right to criticize the way you do it, the way, you know, you know on and on and on and on. So you're not really going to resolve anything with, with that. I don't believe that's his problem. I believe his problem he really should do this is, this is the best way to do it I always feel like this there are no shortcuts my kids hear me say it all the time there are no shortcuts now I'm usually speaking figuratively I'm speaking metaphorically when I say there are no shortcuts to the kids when I'm, I'm talking about process the pains of process the pains that become the joys of process so I say don't cut out a step I know you want to there are no shortcuts, but I actually believe literally there are very few shortcuts if the if, if if point a is here and point B is here. What do you hear? Direct route is the best way to go. So for Aaron Rodgers. That means why don't you just say Jermichael Finley? Just say it. <laughs> I don't like what JerMichael Michael Finley said. I don't like what he said. How's that dude go question me, but he's Pro- going probably round not and trying around. to give him
0: any more shine. Maybe that's what it is. I
3: know, but you're giving him shine by hitting the edges, right. going around the perimeter. Right. Hey, right. that man questioned your commitment by body language, by the look in your
0: eyes. He, he said, but he, was, he, could he, look was, in he was only speaking, but he was speaking in general. I don't think it was reserved for Michael Finley. I think his commentary was was, was in general. I know you wanted to do uh, a, 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 a double dip do. on 12s, so I do. Take it away.
3: From, from, From the second-best quarterback uh, to ever play the position, Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Uh, To the best quarterback to play the position, Tom Brady. Mike, I know uh, you will discipline your kids. I'll discipline my kids. But bottom line is we have the love that only a father can have at times. A love that, hey, you say something about my kid or you do something to my kid, you go hear from me before you hear from him and that is where Tom Brady Sr. was coming from when he talked with Tommy Curran yesterday and you got to hear this listen to what Tom Brady Sr. said about the Patriots and his son. Oh, I thought we had that sound I thought we have we don't have it. all right well let's just wait on let's wait is it, we got we got it now? all right listen uh, let me know when it's there, but, but when we haven't, uh, before we get there, Mike, I want to say,
0: all right, here, Hold let's play it, this out. I think you've got it. We got it. All right, let's check it out.
6: Do you find a measure of vindication
5: for your kid? Damn right.
4: Damn right.
5: Belichick wanted him out the door, and last year he threw 56
6: touchdowns.
5: I think that's a pretty good year.
6: Do you think that Tom feels the same way?
4: Damn rights. Damn rights.
6: You got any more Patriots paraphernalia in that house behind you in San Mateo?
5: I'm not sure. I, I just, uh, let's see, there might be something. I think I might have a license plate that says something like six Super Bowls. But other than that, I think pretty much the rest of it has been given to Goodwill or Catholic Charities or something.
3: Yeah! <laughs> Goodwill and Catholic Charities. That, that, hey, take the mic, drop it. Look, I I, I, will, I will say this. I don't know where the 56 touchdowns, I don't know where that number came from, Thrown for 56 touchdowns. I don't think he threw for 16 touchdowns that in the playoffs? postseason.
0: I thought he had 40. Yeah, that sounds high. That sounds he had 16
3: high. in the that playoffs? I don't know if he had 16.
0: Did he? Um, that sounds high. No! I'll look it up. That, right! Yeah, 40 I said, I said in a regular season. High. No, I said yeah. that sounds high. But, I said that sounds high. But
3: that's beside the point. That's beside the point. I think I understand where, where Tom Brady Sr. is coming from. Most of the time, Mike, I, I'm not trying to hear from mama, daddy, uncle, cousin. Like, come on. Just, just, just let the players play. Stay out. Like, and Especially with dads. Most of the time when dads get involved, like mom is sweet. Mom will say when you first walked. Mom will say I knew my baby was gonna be something special. Dad, dads, we, we, we usually take it too far. Dads, we become you know t- we, we're trying to uh, invent a quarterback in the lab like Tom Marinovich. You know we're trying to come up with like a special system. We're trying to uh, mess with the swing, uh, uh, correct the technique. But the reason I appreciate Tom Brady Sr. in this case is because Tom Brady always tries to craft an image of what he wants you to see Daddy tells you what's actually there and there's great insight most of the time when Tom Brady senior speaks he's telling you really what Tom Brady is feeling
0: and it's very rare Tom that Brady that. so shout out to Tom, Tom Brady, Brady appreciation weeks will continue tomorrow because tomorrow <laughs> damn is right is a very special anniversary uh so we'll we'll pick this conversation up tomorrow 10 touchdowns in the postseason so 50 between regular season and postseason last year uh see you tomorrow brother
3: all right hey see and speaking of brothers happy birthday to my brother big bro love you man
5: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up